Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is actually a special guest, uh, Stacy McCollum, the Vice President, Programming and Acquisitions at ESPN College Networks. How are you doing? I'm great today. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well, at least uh, as well as everybody can be right now in a weird times as, uh, as everybody's kind of experiencing. Stacy, you just want to kind of give everyone a little bit of intro of who you are uh, and what you do over there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you said, I'm the Vice President of Programming on the College Networks business. I um, specifically oversee our ACC network, um, which launched uh, last August. And, and what that means is I'm responsible for the day-to-day business operations um, and, and oversee the programming vision and content strategy for the network. Uh, I also serve as our primary point of contact uh, with the ACC institutions and the, the conference itself on kind of all things related to our, our broader ESPN and ACC network business. Perfect. Um, so I guess, do you want to describe a little bit of how your role impacts what the programming fans see on the network? Um, obviously, I know you got into a little bit of that in the intro, but um, like as far as like your day-to-day goes, like how does how does your role and your team, I guess, uh, kind of decide what fans are watching on the network? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, so our team um, does a lot of things. First and foremost, we work closely with the conference to schedule the live events that fans get to see um, on the ACC network. And so um, that conversation is a, a two-way dialogue as we plot out our overall strategy across the fall, winter, and um, spring seasons. And so there's a live event piece um, where we have the opportunity to showcase the, the 27 varsity sports across the ACC. And then we're also responsible for uh, the studio uh, strategy. And, and the studio strategy, I mean, our original programs and studio shows that complement our live events, um, as well as our original programming strategy. What are the access shows? What are the stories we want to tell? Um, what documentaries are we making? Our team um, it is responsible for that overall strategy and vision, and again, something that we do in collaboration and partnership with uh, with the ACC. A, a lot of, particularly on the live event side, um, what we do, we can't do without them when it comes to scheduling the live events on specific nights and start times. And um, and and again, they've been a great partner uh, with us as we've kind of evolved that strategy and made some adjustments to accommodate the network launch last year. Of course. And uh, I guess, like, right now, this would obviously be a pretty busy time of year. Um, I'm sure you guys would be working with, you know, the other ESPN networks and trying to kind of program out uh, the college football season. Still might be a busy time of year. Uh, we don't have to get into, like, the specifics of, like, what we're up to, like, right now, uh, just because it's kind of a fluid situation. Um, but how much, I guess, change do you feel like you guys have, what change have you guys already experienced um, on the scheduling front? Um, given some of the announcements that are starting to come out around maybe some altering schedules? Well, I think first and foremost, the the changes started back on, you know, March 12th for us when um, when when much of the college sports landscape was impacted and events uh, began being postponed and then ultimately canceled. And so I think the first thing that, that has impacted us and, and as we're thinking about scheduling right now was a, a summer approach in, in the college sports season. I don't have to tell you that, you know, there's not very many live events, if any, happening during the summer. So we knew that we had to have a strategy in place to 
show classic games and re-air some games and come up with some original programming um, to populate the network during that downtime. And as a result of the, the cancellation of the spring season, we had to expedite much of what we were doing there um, and move all of that up um, and, and react very quickly on the fly under extreme circumstances where our staff is working entirely from, from home and resources are limited um, and, and we can't be in a production facility or a control room to, to create content in the way that we otherwise would at, at this time, even if um, there weren't sports being played. So I think that was the, the, the first um, kind of way we had to, to react to it. And then the next way was just really digging into the treasure trove of archive um, and you know the depth of the, the conference is such a positive in situations like this because we know that we can go back and pull you know classic games and games from this past season and previous years that would be of great interest to, to fans um, across all schools and across all sports and so we had to get really creative in some of the ways that that we did that. Um, oh, that totally makes sense. Uh, do you feel like uh, well I guess do you want to kind of share like what you can around like the considerations uh, for these games, obviously like there's theme days or theme weeks. Um, and then, you know, just obviously you have to just fill out the whole day's uh, worth of schedule and, and live uh, sports or well, the lack of live sports, but even these classic games are really going to kind of, you know, drive the freight in terms of, of audience tune in. So like, what are you guys taking into account uh, when you're deciding uh, which games to put on TV? Yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll start with, you know, I mentioned kind of the resource piece at, at the top. And, and so while it, it may appear from, from the outside that you could just grab a game from, you know, an archive and put it on the network and you're off and running, unfortunately, it's not that easy. There's um, significant process or significant work that has to go into getting shows ready to be put back on the air. And so we have to sanitize those games and make sure that there are um, current music licenses attached to them from when they initially aired. We have to check for third-party material. Um, we have to re-edit shows uh, or games if they were originally, you know, scheduled for a three-hour block, but the football game ran three hours and 35 minutes. We have to edit that down into a format that will allow it to be condensed into a three-hour window. So there's a lot of work that goes into just re-airing games. And then when you add the additional layer of having limited resources and capabilities to be able to be in a facility to, to do all of that, um, it, it was a lot more challenging than, uh, than expected or than it otherwise should have been at this point. But in terms of the, the way we approach that after we identified a, a workflow is, you, you mentioned some stunts. We, we've done some national championship stunts. We've done stunts focused on the ACC championships and sports specific stunts. Uh, you know, one we did around Memorial Day was the lacrosse marathon. That's when the, the national championship would have been contested. Otherwise, Syracuse was a, a big part of, of that stunt. Um, we've also reacted very timely to things that are happening um, in the sports space. We took advantage of, um, you know, a lot of buzz around the last dance to come up with a, a legend series that started with a marathon of games dedicated to Carolina and um, Michael Jordan's era at Carolina. We did a similar one with Vince Carter and have one coming up with a Atlanta beard. We also did a 24 hour marathon to support and promote the anniversary, 48th anniversary of Title IX. So we've done a lot of different things and we've utilized some really unique technologies from home 
um, to create original content and get new content on the air, such as the Coaches in Quarantine series that we did, where we had interviews with all 14 football coaches. Um, and then finally, that led to the opportunity to finally get Packer and Durham back on the air in, in mid-June, um, where we've been able to get many high-profile guests um, on, on Packer and Durham and just talking about the state of sports and also what's happening um, across the country in terms of uh, social and racial injustice taking place right now. Yeah, I think it's been great, obviously, uh, you know, from the fan perspective to see Packer and Durham back on. And, and I, I think, like, going into the ACC network launching, it was, I think a lot of people were wondering, like, who those voices were going to be. And it's been great to see them kind of break out in, in a unique way, too, in a way that, like, seems intrinsically, like, you know, natural for the conference and not just, like, you know, two people who got put into a situation to just start talking about the ACC um, without like that natural ramp up that I think the two of them um, have been able to give. I would echo that in that we knew that we we had a gem in, and it was a radio show that I had listened to even before we brought it to um, the network. And we knew that that was gonna be special. Um, I, I'm so pleased though with the fan response and reaction to that show. Um, you know, we really do see it as a, a franchise piece of programming for us. And so uh, the network certainly didn't feel the same without them on the air, that's for sure. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so how involved are the actual schools um, in some of these week-to-week programming choices? Or is this something that for the most part, like you and your team and all the folks at ESPN, um, are, are you guys largely making those decisions, you know, once, um, once you kind of know what the theme is? So from... From what we've experienced over the last couple of months in terms of the classic games, you know, we're in 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 conversations with the league on a on a daily basis, and so a lot of those decisions have been made based on on resources and, and based on availability of content when it comes to the classic readers as a whole. You know, this is a conference wide network, and so while we're responsible for the programming, we're you know we're partners, and so every step of the way, we are working with the schools and the conference whether it's you know scheduling games, um, as I mentioned before, um, where we look to be targeted in scheduling specific sports on specific nights, you know, had the spring season played out, you know, it was our hope to showcase lacrosse every Thursday. Um, that's not a traditional night necessarily for lacrosse. And so we needed the schools and the conference and the coaches to buy into that. So they are, are involved in the process, engaged in the process. Um, I, I would say, Furthermore, when it comes to um, our storytelling and our access, which are both kind of tent poles um, of the network, our relationships at the school level are so important because we can't do that without them either. And I think a great example and one of the best examples that we had this past year is the award-nominated piece on uh, Tiana from, from Syracuse, Monica Hia. You might, you probably pronounce it better than I did, um, but we we had the opportunity with Syracuse to tell her story and her brave battle with, with cancer. And so that doesn't happen unless you've established the relationship um, and have the buy-in and cooperation with, with the schools and the, the conference. Oh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I love that piece. And I know a lot of other Syracuse fans did too. Tiana has been such a, that's an inspiring, like just athlete and person through all this. And, you know, I know like, cancer just touches so many people and then I, I don't think there's a person you know alive who doesn't know somebody um who hasn't been affected who's been affected by cancer so it's it, it was cool to to really get like her 
not just her journey, but also her very positive outlook on on the fight that she that she was up against and continues to be up against. Well, and to trust somebody to come in and let them in in the way that she did with us and help tell that story um, is just remarkable. Um, and you know, again, I, I just total credit to, to her and, and Syracuse for for giving us the opportunity to be a part of that journey. I'm glad they did. Um, so COVID aside, like what do you feel has gone really well in, in year one of the ACC network? And do you feel like there's any key takeaways, uh, that will play a bigger part of year two? So I think we mentioned Packer and Durham that, that was one I certainly wanted to highlight. I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't just call attention to how successful the distribution efforts have been out of the, out of the gate. Um, I don't have to, to tell you, um, you know, how different the uh, distribution landscape and the way people are consuming content and how much that continues to evolve and, and change. And so to be where we are today and, and have even where we were at launch just over under a year ago is an incredible um, success. We have incredibly wide reach across a multitude of providers, both in a traditional sense as well as digital providers and available to two thirds of, you know, available households across the, the country. So, you know, that, that's one for, for, for us that we take a lot of pride in. Um, the storytelling is, is another one. We set out early on to say that storytelling and access was going to be a differentiator of this network. And I think we've lived into that with the great pieces and access shows that we've been able to, to bring to light. Um, I think the other piece, which is, is the technology. We've done some incredible things and have really been some leaders in some areas. And, and the example I share the most is that the, the ACC network is the only college network that has keeper cams on their soccer coverage. And so the robotic cameras that are inside of the gold, we use those in some of our professional sports and professional soccer coverage, um, but that's not used anywhere else um, in the college landscape. Um, as, as we think about, um, you know, learning, there, there's a ton of learnings, I think, every day. Um, you know, I think there'll be things that we look at from a scheduling perspective. Where did start times work? Uh, did days of the week work? How do we want to evolve, um, you know, in, in year two in terms of additional access stories? Um, so there's, there's a, a list, but all in all, I couldn't have asked for a better kind of first nine months, except maybe having a full, a full year of sports would have been great. I know you've alluded to the Syracuse lacrosse team. I, uh, it's definitely been a little heartbreaking, especially for us, given the uh, the, the long for us layover uh, from uh, from national title contending teams. Yeah. So, uh, do you feel like there's any past games that you would have loved to see air on the ACC network um, that haven't yet, or maybe that you uh, either haven't uh, because you can't, or haven't uh, just because you know you haven't gotten to them in the schedule yet? Yeah, and, and I think you actually just um, almost almost stole the thunder of, of, of my answer to this one is we um, the the NCA has been incredible during this process in in lifting some restrictions around re-airing some NCA championship programming, um, but I would love to see selfishly I'd love to see more lacrosse championships and, and NCA titles um, as a whole across soccer, field hockey, and some of the Olympic sports that um, currently some of the rights just um, prohibit us from, from doing that on a recurring basis. And so I would love to see more of that programming for the exact reasons that, that you just mentioned, um, particularly in the Olympic sports space. Yeah, agreed. I know uh, we have 
And we have like an Olympic sports editor um, at the blog too. And he's a former uh, track athlete for Syracuse. And I you know one thing that, that I know I saw there was the indoor um, track uh, footage that I think is going to be on this week, but I know he's been, uh, he's definitely been chomping at the bit. I know he, uh, he was a big proponent of the 2015 uh, national championship Syracuse squad in, uh, in yeah. cross country. Absolutely. Uh, so just asking a question about Syracuse. Um, obviously, no no interview with a Syracuse publication would be complete without a question about Jim Beheim, um, both as a coach um, and, and maybe as an entertainer. Uh, I, I think at least most Syracuse fans would consider him one. Um, just, I guess, what are your thoughts on Jim, uh, you know, again, as, as both um, and his propensity to kind of speak off the cuff and, and, and give some real, uh, some real great quotes for, uh, for broadcast. Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, he, he's a legend, right? And I think um, when you look at just the um, caliber of, of coaches, particularly in the basketball side in, in the ACC, to have the opportunity to, you know, with with Roy and with Kay and with with Coach Beheim to 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 watch those watch those leaders, watch those coaches and see what they've done in their careers. First of all, that's just incredibly special. You don't, you don't get to see that very often. Um, I have nothing but respect and admiration for him. I, I think he's passionate. I think he cares deeply about his team and, and, and people close to him. Um, and and he's, a, he's, a, he's a proven winner. Um, he, he certainly, I'm sure, can be polarizing. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you a little anecdote, and I was telling Amy this earlier. I first fell in love with college um, basketball when I was an intern at CBS Sports in, in 1996. I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but obviously that was a tremendous run for Syracuse, a tremendous year for Syracuse basketball as they made their run to the, to the final four. And so um, had the, the great opportunity to have a front row seat of watching that team kind of advance throughout the tournament. And just remember Jason Sapola really um, shining and cementing himself as kind of this, this superstar throughout that, that tournament and the team um, as they made their run and, and then obviously beating Georgia in overtime and then Kansas and then, you know, Mississippi state to face Kentucky in the championship. And so uh, to have a front row seat of coach Beheim at that point in, in my, my career at that point, um, really, it was just, it was awesome. You got to see the chemistry and the camaraderie between the team that wasn't expected to be a final four contender by any means at that point. You definitely just made a lot of Syracuse fans happy. I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like a lot of SU fans focus on, you know, the 87 with the shot with, with Keith Smart, obviously the 03 championship team, and then the, the unexpected run in 2016. I feel like sometimes the 96 gets lost in the shuffle. So it's, uh, it's, it's nice to hear somebody uh, who was there kind of, you know, uh, understanding how special that group was at the time. Yeah, they were fun to watch. They were fun to watch. Hopefully we can get a little bit more of that offense um, going. <laughs> In, in the coming years. Uh, I guess last question. Uh, this is something that uh, on the blog we've been asking a lot of people uh, that we've been talking to this off season. Uh, what have you been streaming lately? Obviously everyone's got a little bit more time um, so, and a little bit more time at home in particular. So uh, any, any shows that you uh, would recommend for people? Well, we've been kind of all over the place. Um, we, we have a 10 year old at home. So there's kind of a range of what we watch, you know, when she's awake and then what she watches, what we watch when she, she goes to bed. Um, but right now we're watching uh, Watchmen on HBO, which is great. It's um, brought to you by or pr produced by the same guy who did Lost. Um, so it's, 
it's really good. I, I would highly recommend that. Um, and Ozark has been another favorite. Um, the third season of Ozark that came out a, a couple months ago and Dead to Me. Um, but what we started kind of the, the COVID-19 quarantine period with was um, all of the Marvel movies in chronological order. That probably doesn't surprise you. Since so you glad know, to hear. Yeah, <laughs> ESPN, but, um, and, and then the Star Wars movies as, as well, because we are kind of a Star Wars family as well. So a little bit of everything all over the place. Any, uh, any Marvel movies stick out to you as the uh, kind of best of the bunch? Well, so my family will say by far Infinity War and Endgame um, and Black Panther. And I'm in the Black Panther Endgame, but Ant-Man camp. I just, um, I've always enjoyed Paul Rudd. I think his his range of acting is just tremendous. Um, And so I I really liked Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. (laughs) It's an unconventional choice, but I respect it. Well, uh, cool. I mean, that that was it for me. Uh, Stacy. anything else you want to share about kind of what you're up to, the ACC network, anything else? No, just continue to say, we, you know, we, we, we love what we're doing. We are such a passionate group, at, at, you know, who are at the helm of the ACC network and, and Syracuse um, has been an incredible champion and supporter. Um, I probably, you know, I, I I'm a big fan of your your AD. That probably doesn't surprise you. John Wildhack actually hired me when I started at ESPN. And so I know you are in tremendous hands under his leadership. And so, again, we just, you know, Syracuse is an important, important uh, institution to, to us and to the ACC. We appreciate that. And obviously we appreciate everything you guys are doing over at the ACC Network.